This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear Lionel Richie on the stereo. Yeah, you do. So, when you're in the Chicago area and you're looking for that authentic arcade experience, head over to the Underground Retrocade, where you'll find so many of those classic games you'll think, I've truly found the arcade for me. And I want to play all night long. Yeah, it's a twofer. The Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is No Quarter, the weekly arcade podcast thing that happens between Carrington <laughs> and I, where we talk about games that we like and some that we don't, that we get suggestions from users who listen and listeners who use and people who like our show. <laughs> Wait, listeners who use? <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? You use your arcades, cabinets. Oh, that, that's what you mean. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Not making, that other I thought we were opening thing. with that's, drug references. I was like, no, what are we doing? No. Well, we could do that too, but that's probably, probably not as fun. And, and I imagine we'd get very dark very quickly. Well, right before we started recording, I told Mike I'm going to attempt to make Bubble Bubble the episode where we lose our G rating on iTunes. So maybe you're just uh, coming on board with the plan. Well, it was. it's either going to be that or I was going to read everything and you were just going to sing in the background the entire time. Yes, this week's game, very catchy tune. Catchy, in, in air quotes. Catchy. But first, we have we have unfinished business from last week's game. We unfinished, that's, it's not feedback, it's unfinished business. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's here, it's back, it's personal, it's nationwide. It's uh, Jay Alexander. He wrote in to say, Mike and Carrington. First of all, put Mike's real score back on the high score list, Carrington. Us old folks have memory lapses and shouldn't suffer more humiliation than everyday life already inflicts. I'm going to pause the email there and say, no. <laughs> so I will agree with you. Yeah, no. <laughs> No, humiliation. We're all about that. I got um, caught cheating, and that's my punishment. <laughs> you, no, you got caught not keeping proper notes. You don't even know what your score was supposed to be. Um, anyway, second, I always pronounced Rastin as Rastan. That rhymes with Pentagon. For some reason, though I remember how I pronounced the name, I absolutely have no memories of playing the game in the arcade. You have all convinced me to remedy this, though, so I'll add it to my play, when I, play it when I see it list. That's a good list to have. Third, I took Carrington's advice and tried OpenMU, or OpenEMU, as a main front end. I can only find one serious drawback, other than the lack of artwork, and that's, that is that it reads directly from hardware devices, and not through normal APIs, like the Mac software. Uh, this causes a problem, as I use ControllerMate to handle my main controller remapping. I really love ControllerMate, and I loved, I'd love to find a workaround. Someone did open a bug on this subject with the OpenEMU team, uh, but it was marked won't fix. Oh, um, <laughs> regular command line main works fine, though. Last, 
I have a suggestion for a relatively cheap way to get a decent joystick and button experience on any PC with Bluetooth. Get an iCade Core. Because it's an iOS device, the stick and buttons send ASCII characters, but as previously mentioned, ControllerMate can easily take care of that. The only issue I found is that the joystick is gated for 8-way operation and therefore does not work particularly well for games that expect four-way joystick, like my favorite sexist game, Ms. Pac-Man. Anyway, I really love the show. It's the first podcast I listen to every week. Keep up the great work, and I hope to see you both at Kansas Fest 2015. Um, Alex, yes, you will. Well, you'll see me there. Mike may or may not be visible. True, true. Uh, I would like to point out that, that it's easy to say Rostin, but it gets very uh, confusing quickly when you start adding things like, uh, what was the, what's the actual, I don't even remember the actual name of the, the game, Rostin, Rostin Saga, Rastin Saga, Rastin Saga, yes. Rostin Saga. I think it should be say. pronounced like um, Thurston Howell the second or Thurston Howell, whatever. Rostin Saga. Saga. <laughs> Which is why he was banished to the island. <laughs> works for me. Uh, Rob wrote in to say the theme music for this week's game dominated two entire rows of games in the arcade game section of the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. I recorded a walkthrough, but I can't pick out which one it is. It's so funny. So he sent us a link to a YouTube video of him doing a walk around at the, uh, at last year's, the 2014 Portland Retro Gaming Expo. I will include a link in the show notes. It's totally worth seeing. First of all, because it gives you a sense of the scale of that that expo like holy cow buy me a ticket it looked amazingly fun it's so much bigger than i thought it would be but he's right as well as he's walking through the rows because there's a bunch of rows of arcade games set up about 25 games kind of per row on either side and as he's walking down the one row and then back all you can hear is the sound of this week's games the music just blaring through cutting through everything in fact it's so good that's what i'm using this week for the opening music so if you heard the arcade jingle as the you know the normal arcade ambience and then it sort of slides into this week's game music as per normal but if the arcade ambience sounded a little different than normal it's because i'm actually going to use the sound from rob's walkthrough because it so perfectly fits the way we open these arcade games uh, open these um, episodes so anyway, Rob's email continues. He says, something in the row between Donkey Kong Jr. and Journey? Fortunately, the music is too good to be a Journey game. The row contains a whole bunch of Nintendo games and a bunch of packed people games. As good a strategy as any is to follow the guy who used to send in feedback for the show and just guess Battlezone all the time. So, Battlezone Jr. by Nintendo or Mr. Packzone? Anyway, thanks for producing the show. After the near miss of Pulsar, when can we expect a full crossover episode with the 10 Pence Arcade guys bob's your uncle that would take the biscuit rob nicely done uh, another thing i want to point out about rob's walkthrough which was super fun is as he's going around he does talk about a few of the games that he sees that are a little more obscure and um he also says that there's a 60 in one there and that he played bubbles for the first time on that 60 in one and got the high score and then changed the the Front end, so it's not showing bubbles as like the game to play, and so that hopefully he'll stay as the the bubbles champion. <laughs> you know, do, take it, be the bubbles champion, go to town. It's all yours. So very funny walkthrough, really good. And just again, um, if you don't know like the size and and the scale of the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, which I clearly did not, you will be blown away by all the the retro. Um, gaming cabinets there plus all the pinball and this massive section of of vintage consoles all set up but as he says there's i think no atari 8-bit stuff there but there seemed to be everything else like a huge collection of them all set up for play um looks like an incredibly fun time so i really really want to get to that um 
uh, I guess hopefully it's an annual thing. I don't know. I'm going to check it out and stick it in my in my uh, calendar. What else did we get, Mike? Well, Mike. So, so, so what about a, a, a crossover with the uh, 10 pence guys? What do you think? I, oh, we do it. We got quarters. They got 10p. There's got to be a way to convert between those. I say if they beat us, then we have to eat bland English food. I like English food. You don't. No one does. The English don't like English food. That's not true. I'll have uh, fish and chips. Very traditional. <laughs> Bangers and mash. Okay. Spotted dick. Uh, <laughs> Haggis. No, that's not English. That's Scottish. Close enough. It's all the same over there, right? Haggith. <laughs> or do you have a speech? Okay. The Scottish like Haggith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Douglas wrote in to say, hey, no quarter crew. Just finished listening to the latest episode. And I think a sorry Charlie cabinet is a great idea. If I remember correctly, it caught on fire occasionally and had all sorts of glitches. So it's not like you would need excellent workmanship or anything. Also, if you made a poster for it, I so would definitely data want east one. To, to make it for us. Yes, exactly. So if you made a poster for it, I would definitely want one. It would be a great addition to the man cave. You should take orders and see if people would want them. Finally, I think this week's game sounds like bubble bobble, but I'm not even sure that was an arcade game. It just sounds like a NES game to me, so I'm shooting it out there. As always, thanks for doing the podcast and keep up the good work. A um, couple of things. How could you not know that bubble bobble was an arcade game? Of course it was. And um, uh, it was the first of many people to mention bubble bobble in feedback this week. Relatively easy game to guess because of that tune. As for posters for Story Charlie, I think, I mean, as much as we could Sell them, that sounds like a lot of work. I, I did do the art for the poster. So I think we should just stick up the art and say, here it is. You know, pr- take take the file to any Kinko's or Staples or whatever and print out a poster. You want a poster? Have a poster. So that's, I, that's what I think. So I will do that. I will I will dig up the artwork in a very super high-res version, and I will stick that in the show notes. Hopefully I remember to do it this week. If not this week, I'll make sure it's done by next week in the show notes. And then if you want a poster of Sorry Charlie, just feel free to print one out. Um, Michael uh, Pettengill. You've got one too. Read me some feedback. <laughs> Michael Pettengill wrote in and said, uh, hey guys, still listening to your show for some reason. And I heard the guy who isn't Mike say that he couldn't put together a joke about the college student organization called the Game Mechanics Research Studio at the Southern Illinois University at Carbondale that works at restoring video games, etc. How many credits per quarter? It was so simple that you missed it. Uh, apparently, I I missed it. Again, because I don't know what he's talking about. But. I told him, remember I said we were talking about, you know, you're taking classes. I'm like, there's got to be a joke there, like credits. You're going for credit, credits in the in the arcade game. I just, you know, it's easy for him to say now, like when the pressure's off and it's not a live show. Sure, I can come up with a joke too. I just kind of floundered then. But yes, how many credits per quarter? That is kind of the perfect joke. I missed it. Uh, he says, I, I like to play on uh, on words of game mechanics versus game mechanics. Uh, my oh, guess yeah. for the upcoming uh, my guess for the upcoming game is Pengo. Um, no, Mike, it is not Pengo. Ha! So there. See, didn't get everything right, although his joke was a good one. I'll snarkly Mike. <laughs> so Monty wrote in to say, Loved your commentary on passing down the legacy of retro gaming. Growing up in the 80s, I thought I was living through Disney's prime. Cinderella, Bambi, Snow White, Pinocchio, Lady and the Tramp, Dumbo, like clockwork. They pumped out hit after hit. Incredible. I thought Disney couldn't miss with these new movies. Later, I find out it's actually the exact opposite. Disney's animation studio was barely staying afloat, and everything I loved was many decades old, just repackaged as new. I could see these old films in theaters or rent them at the video store in the new releases aisle 
It's on VHS. It's a new release. As a child, I was immersed completely into their world through commercials, posters, and toys. I was bonded for life. Since few are doing this for arcade games, I'm trying to apply these concepts to my children. With our weekly dedicated retro game night, my four-year-old plays on our main cabinet that uses real quarters and a curved CRT. I show him original arcade artwork, commercials, and toys when I can find them to surround him in the story, and it's working. He plays the Xbox, iPad, and iPhone, but he loves walking up to the massive cabinet, hearing the quarter drop, and smacking the big round buttons to play classic games. He's enjoying 30-year-old games just as much as the latest Xbox hit. Like my experience with Disney, he will think 2015 was an explosion of gaming innovation and be bonded for life. As a community, we need to raise our children to play these games and keep the bond alive. The memories associated with playing the games are much more powerful than the game itself, and memories have a much more impact in youth. Hopefully, someday, I will have the money to donate multicades to grade schools everywhere to keep this art alive and relevant. Retro gaming is absolutely in the same league as cell animation and deserves the same treatment. The No Quarter Podcast is doing a great job keeping this art alive, though we don't have Disney re- Disney's resources. The retro gaming community is a passionate and devoted one, and I constantly hear stories stories of parents passing down this great legacy to their children. I'm sure kids are playing at your great sponsor, the Underground Retrocade, as they listen to Carrington read this. Or maybe it's Mike. It doesn't matter, as I'm sure they are too consumed by incredible arcade gaming action to pay attention to the podcast blaring above them. I thought that was a great email. So well, well put, Monty. That's what I said. Nils wrote in to say, uh, hey, guys, due to a long relocation process from California to Utah, uh, I've been behind on my podcast listening, but I'm now up to date. I loved the Rostin episode. Rostin was an arcade cabinet I did own once upon a time. Uh, many Christ- uh, Christmas many years ago, I got a check for $150 from my father, but it came with the condition that the money could only be used to buy or do something fun. Uh, around this time, the local Bowling Alley Arcade, where I and my friends spent a good deal of our youth, uh, was selling off some of their old arcade games. They had Robocop, uh, Rygar, uh, Raston, and a few more that I don't remember with for sale signs taped to them. So after much debate, I decided to buy Raston for $125. And for three happy sword-swinging, monster-slaying years, I had it uh, in, the workshed behind, uh, in the workshed in my backyard. Tragically, I would lose my Rostin cabinet when my mother, who was going through some financial issues at the time, sold it to some of her friends to help pay the rent. The guy she sold it to ended up destroying it by dropping it when he was trying to load it on, onto the truck. Luckily, I was not, not there to see it, but knowing that it happened this way has always made me sad. But listening to you talk about it made me glad. And even though I have a main cabinet it, and it plays great, it is still not the same thing as seeing the art and feeling the controls in my hands. So keep up the great work on the podcast, and unless I am mistaken, this week you will be playing Bubble Bobble. Keep up the great job on the podcast. Thank you, Nils. Bummer about that cabinet. Totally understandable. I think paying rent trumps having arcade cabinets, definitely. Yeah. It's a sad end for the cabinet. Things like um, eating in shelter. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, it depends on the day of the week and, and what I happen to be doing. But um, Take shelter inside slightly. the cabinet. <laughs> there you go. You can live in the cabinet. Uh, it's slightly higher on the priority list. Yeah. Also, even if you dro- drop a cabinet, it's repairable. I mean, they're, they're not really that complicated. You might smash, like physically destroy the CRT. But other than that, I bet you if you drop a cabinet, a bit of Bondo and a uh, little bit of work, you could totally get that working again. Yeah, but at that point, it was no longer his. 
Uh, yes, but I'm, I'm hoping what I'm saying is, you know, maybe it went to a farm and it's playing with with other cabinets. I'm trying to make them happy here, dude. <laughs> is that what your is that what your parents told you when your arcade games died? Yes. When you were, they all went to you a were farm. Young. They, they went to live at a, at, a, at a farm in the country. So we should have an arcade uh, called the farm. <laughs> you can say that's where they all went. They're all like fixed up. Um, Peter wrote in to say, hello, Mike and Carrington. I was listening to this week's podcast on Pulsar. And during the listener feedback segment, Carrington mentioned that he was enjoying playing Omega Race. Well, now that he is officially an Atari 8-bit guy, I thought he and the other Atari 8-bit no-quarter addicts might be interested in a project that is being done by Atari Age user Petium 5 is that supposed to be like a pun on Pentium 5? I don't know. Pentium 5? Weirdo Atari users. According to unpronounceable name, uh, it is essentially an enhanced version of Omega Race, a.k.a. Delta Race. I did want to showcase the ability of the Atari 8-bit computer over that of versions of Omega Race on the Commodore 64, VIC-20, Atari 2600, and the arcade version. It will be released on cartridge soon from our... Uh, Atari Sales, which is Video 61. He's calling the game Delta Space Arena, which is a great name, by the way. Um... So Pete continues, from what I've seen in the thread, the game looks brilliant. Many screenshots and video and a few playable demo builds are available. It looks like the game is nearly done and should be out soon. Then he gave us a link to the Atari Age thread in question. I went and checked it out. I agree. It looks fantastic. Um, just like a remarkably good version of Omega Race. I'm like, holy cow, it's on an Atari 8-bit. So very, very impressive. And I look forward to it and we'll probably be picking it up. Um, so, but he does say, uh, uh, Peter, at the end of his email, says, Hey, Mike, Apple II forever. <laughs> Just that I throw that in there so I do not get banned. Although I think the rumor is you're going to stop banning people. Is that right, Mike? Yes. Yes, we're, <gasps> we're banning the bans. There, there are no more bans. And all previous like bans have been, have been uh, rescinded permanently and in perpetuity. But haven't you done that before? I remember a time previously where you also stopped banning. And no, then you brought what are you talking about? I, I, have no, I have no memory of this. Nope. nope <laughs> I'm pretty happened. sure our listeners uh-uh. will nope. absolutely Mm-mm. be able to provoke you into banning them. In fact, nope. I expect nope. next week I will be reading email from people that will make it irresistible to, to ban them. We will see. see. We'll, just... we'll see if you hold out. <sighs> Poke the bear. Steve Olson wrote in to say, uh, hi, all. Love the podcast. <laughs> I haven't written in before because there always seem to be several episodes in the past. Wow. That's. What, what's it like living in the past, Steve? It's, it's nice awesome. here in the future. Uh, anyway, your next game is Bubble Bobble. It's <laughs> it's 100 levels, the same 20-second song repeating over and over and over again. Similar to the Meow Mix jingle. Once it gets in your head, it's hard to get out. He's right. Oh, he's oh so right this week. Oh, I've had this song in my head all week. Um, let's conclude with Andrew, who also correctly guessed the game. And I like his email a lot. He says, hi, chaps. Love listening to your show. I discovered it during No Vector. And it and past shows kept me company while I was refitting my bathroom during those dark winter evenings. I'm from the UK and prefer the sound of American slash Canadian presenters talking about classic video games and pinballs for some weird reason. I cherry picked some of your past shows that featured my favorite games that I used to play back in the day, like 1942, Marble Madness, Crystal Castles, and Gyrus. But you haven't reviewed my all-time favorite game, Tron. I recently built myself a control panel using a spinner out of an old optical mouse and a quick shot joystick just to Play the game again. And I even got my 12-year-old son into it. Anyway, your next game review is, unmistakably, Bubble Bobble by Taito. Keep up the great work, Andrew. And he says, aged 47, which is awesome. So, another person passing on the uh, the retro gaming love to his to his kids. So, 
we're we're raising them to love these great games but yes he's correct bubble bubble this week's unmistakable game is indeed bubble bubble lord i'm just gonna sing that in the background and you do the whole the whole podcast sounds good to me although i bet i i bet i run out of things to say before you run so bubble ball was released in 1986 by here in the united states it was a license to rom star for distribution and i'm sure that includes canada mexico and everywhere else considered north america um, one or two players take the role of Bub and Bob. These are two disgustingly cute little dinosaurs who must battle their way through uh, 100 platform-packed single-screen levels to rescue their girlfriends. Bub and Bob are armed only with the ability to blow bubbles, which in the games, uh, in which the game's many enemies can be trapped and killed. The bubbles can also be used as temporary platforms to help the dinosaurs uh, reach previously inaccessible areas of the level. Any trapped enemies who are not killed quickly enough will turn red and escape their prisons. These angry enemies are much faster than before, making them harder to kill. Enemies also become angry if players... I'm not hearing you singing. (laughs) Become angry if players are taking too long to complete a level. Defeated enemies are turned into bonus fruit items that can be collected for points. And that's pretty much the the mechanic of the game. Um, As one of our uh, listeners wrote in to say, there's a song that... It's a 20-second sample that plays over and over and over in the background. I have a question for you. I might have an answer. Taito. Hmm? I bragged last week or the week before that I've gotten good and I can actually now pronounce this. But then I'm listening to a couple of other podcasts. What's with that tense? Then I am listening. Yes, me, I'm listening to this. <laughs> and these podcasts, they I'm say... speaking good English. They, a bunch of people in other podcasts pronounced it Taito. So is it Taito? Am I right? Am I, was I right to brag that I can finally correctly pr- pronounce it? Um, or is it Taito? I don't know. I you I say Tato, I say Tato. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know enough about Japanese because I say Taito. I thought I thought yeah, for sure it was Taito. I, I thought it was too, but uh, for a long time I pronounced it George Takai until he uh, started showing up in places where I could hear him <laughs> oh say his name and, uh, and realize that it was George Takai. So he, he's no pretty idea. awesome. I got to admit, I have become he, a huge he fan. Is, he is, but I have no idea the correct. Cr- cr- <laughs> See, I can't even say that. Correct pronunciation uh, of the word Tato. It's Tato. Um, so, yeah, I, that's just how I've always said it. I do know that in Andrew's email, the last one we read, um, he did correctly spell favorite. With a U? <laughs> that, well, I did say correctly. So, yes, God save the queen and all that. Um, so I like at the beginning of Bubble Bubble, uh, it's it's got a uh, oh like well like Pulsar last week's game this is another game that features an instruction screen but it starts with a little little message where it says now it is beginning of a fantastic story let's make a journey to the cave of monsters good luck um, why would we mind make a journey to the cave of monsters but like you said we are going to do the the thing that is often the case in video games where our girlfriends have been have been kidnapped what is with kidnapping 
in video games. Like, Nintendo latched onto that as a theme and just loves it. But it's crazy how many games are based on somebody kidnaps somebody else and you have to rescue them. Is kidnapping, like, a major problem in Japan? Much more than, um, than <laughs> here's in Canada? Because, like, what is up? Weird, they have a lot of weird things going on over there. I don't know that they're all problems necessarily, but certainly weird stuff like that. I, I don't know. I In my head, when I play games like this, I always sort of envision myself and and the avatar that I'm playing as being the invader trying to kidnap their girlfriends and they're defending um, they're, they're defend, defending me from taking their girlfriends away from them. But I think that's probably growing up in imperialist uh, America. It could be. Um, oh, so anyway, like I was saying, uh, like last week's game, Pulsar, it had a instruction screen and this week's does well, um, does as well. And it's got um, also this screen that says today's record is round whatever, like say round 10 or something uh, of the 100 rounds there could be. And then it shows a double well or mine shaft kind of and at the bottom of which are the two human characters in chains which must be the the kidnapped girlfriends and then the screen shows bub and bob the two little adorable dragons the bubble dragons they descend down to whichever level their corresponding characters have have made it to since the game has been reset so it might be as low as round 100 if somebody's actually beat the game um, or in my case it might be much much higher than that but there you go <laughs> um interesting character names in this like there's bub and bob and like you say, um, I guess you Bub is the single is. I hope I get this right. I think Bub is player one, and Bob is who you play if you play player two. And like you said, you're trying to reach the bottom. And in the descriptions of the game everywhere, it says that your gals have been kidnapped by Baron von Bubla. But I don't think that name actually appears on the screen. So, and that's definitely not the final boss you fight because the final boss is called Super Drunk and we'll get to the names of the bosses, which is kind of weird and the character names are weird. But supposedly it's Baron Von Bubla has, has kidnapped <laughs> your girlfriends and also you were originally humans, but this Baron has has also turned you into these adorable little bubble dragons that breathe out bubbles, like you said, instead of, instead of fire, which would be much more useful. Um, your girlfriends are Betty and Patty, I think, and they stayed as humans. They were not... They were not converted. Uh, this is a non-scrolling platform game. Last week I said Pulsar was a space game, so you may not want to believe me when I say this is a platform game, but I'm going to still insist that this is a platform game. So it's kind of like the original Mario Mario Brothers game. See, I'm trying. Original Mario Brothers game um, in that it's like a platformer, but it doesn't scroll around. Uh, but there's a lot more variety in the levels of this game. It doesn't. It doesn't scroll around in that the screen doesn't. The the map uh, that you're playing on doesn't move while you're in the level. But as with Pulsar last week, when you advance a level, the screen doesn't clear or go black or anything like that. The 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 map shifts in this case further down as opposed. Yes, to indeed. Well spotted. The left right. Or right. So this uh, the level, not really the level design, but the aspect of the levels that has the platforms, like many times they're going to spell out things or make shapes, like they'll spell SOS or popcorn or they, they're in the form of the UFO from Space Invader or something. That, it reminded me of Load Runner. Like tons and tons of levels and often you'll be on levels where they're like, okay, the designer's like, why don't we make this one have a word? <laughs> like you st- when you do that many levels, you start to spell stuff. So it had a, a Load Runner aspect in that sense. In no other, like it doesn't play at all like Load Runner. But in, in that aspect, my notes say like Load Runner. Just All right. It. Sure. <laughs> like, this is from Bubble Bubble.
So we're talking about the bubbles. Talk about the bubbles. If you blow bubbles, which makes him a very happy cloud. <laughs> okay, we've now just officially lost our G rating. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can in, so you encase. Oh my goodness! You encase your enemy, the enemies in these bubbles. Like you blow bubbles out, and they and they and they stay on screen. But if you if you hit an enemy, it, it goes inside the bubble and then just kind of floats around. And like you said, like you there's essentially a limited time before it'll it'll break out and it'll be it'll be angry. But you can pop the bubbles. Because you have like these, even though you're an adorable little dragon, you also have kind of adorable little spines on your backs and on your head. So if you if you back into a bubble or you more likely jump up into it, then you'll pop the bubble. And if there's a bubble that contains an enemy, then that enemy is defeated and for some reason also turns into food um, worth well to start with worth a thousand points. And I don't mean they turn into food like they get cooked, but they suddenly like become bananas or become martinis. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. And you can also defeat multiple enemies at once like if you get a bunch of enemies in bubbles all together and all the bubbles are touching then if you pop one of them it pops all the bubbles and that increases the value of the food that they turn into so you get a thousand points for the first enemy food thingy and two thousand points for the second enemy food thingy and so on so um i think that's a key to trying to get higher scores than than i got and probably you got is about maximizing <laughs> that I, w- I would assume i guess really it's about trying to get as far as you can um as the bubbles float around, if you don't pop them, since they only pop if you hit them with your spines, like you said, you can actually jump on them. So you can jump on the bubbles without bursting them, and that lets you reach parts of the level that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get to. Sometimes, for instance, you'll start, uh, like, say, down a shaft or in some other isolated part of a level, and the only way to proceed with you know, playing with reaching the bad guys is to make a series of bubbles that you can hop on to get out. So that's kind of a neat mechanic, and I like it. Interesting. I never got that far into the game. So. Yes, you did. Oh, oh and, okay. No. So then you, did oh, you no. see that there's also bubbles that appear on screen that are not from you? Like bubbles will just like appear and come down from above and appear floating on the screen. And often they'll contain bonuses and power-ups, which differ, makes them different from the bubbles that you blow, which just are, you know, bubbles, empty ones. So sometimes like a bubble might be filled with water and you can see it sort of sloshing around in there. And when you break that bubble, then it becomes a big water slide essentially that you're going to ride down to the bottom of the level and you knock out any enemies you hit. And you'll also collect any of the bonuses that you pass through on your way down, which is cool. But sometimes you don't want to do that. So I'm, I'm trying to actively avoid the, I'm like, no, I don't want to go back down to the bottom. Um, there's also bubbles that will contain letters floating about. And if you pop those bubbles then you collect the letter and you're trying to spell the word extend. Uh, and if you do then you get a full screen message that says nice 1p or 2p presumably if you're the two, second player got it and then you uh immediately jump to the next level so it's a way to clear a level completely and get a big bonus i think um but it happens so rarely that i wasn't really paying attention to the scores all right Grab a dead bad guy banana and then hey I'm in round three Whoa I just got a bubble bonus and my points are going strong Maybe I'll just play a little more I'm sure it's not that long Bubble 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 I took the bait I took the bait Bubble bubble Okay, so bubbles murder, bubbles murder, cocktail water slide. Bubbles murder, murder, peach banana, what a freaking ride. So many patterns, murder patterns, bubbles, geez, it never ends. Now I don't remember much about my life. Want to talk about the enemies? Uh, well, I, 
I don't know that we have time um, in a single podcast to talk about all the different levels and or, or all the different enemies. And I want to describe every level. That, level two. <laughs> levels, yes. Um, there, there is a, a web page. Um, it's, I think it's pronounced Tasink. It's it's T J A S I N K dot com, and it's the Bubble Bubble Info Pages. I guess would be probably what you would. Google for, and this, this set of pages has all of the information that you would, could ever, ever, ever possibly want to know about this game. Um, so just go there and learn about the enemies. They are, the enemies are enemies. <laughs> like what I mean is, are they? Like, what, what I mean is they, they start out each level like out to get you. Like they had, like, it's not that you're like, they're, they're, That's why they're enemies. Well, yeah, but also, but they can become, like you said, they can turn angry. Which means they're like extra out to get you. So it's not like they they become enemies. Like they started enemies. They do want to defeat you, and if they they touch you and you don't get them in a bubble, you you will lose one of your lives. But sometimes they become extra, definitely like motivated to get you. <laughs> like they turn red. So this happens, like you said, if you leave them in a bubble too long and it pops on your own, then they come out. and They say, you know what? I'm I'm sick of this bubble dragon messing up the place with all the bubbles. And they and they and they get faster and they and they try to get you. But um, it'll also happen if you just spend too much time on a screen or if they're the last enemy on the screen. So let's say there's four enemies and you encase three of them in bubbles and pop them and turn them into martinis and such. Then the fourth one gets lonely, and to it, lonely is angry. In the same way that people get like hungry and angry, they get hangry. This gets angry, lonely, angry. Um, so I learned this week in playing this game that it's a good technique to try to defeat the last enemy as part of a group. So don't defeat three out of four. Make sure that you get all or most of them in a bubble and then as a group and then and then pop them simultaneously so you never have that extra last angry enemy problem. And also, obviously, it increases the the uh, value of the martinis and the food and whatever that you get that's left over because those those increase by the number that you pop at once. So it's sort of it's good in two ways. So there. So as you go through the as you go through the levels, there are you will encounter more and in, in different um, enemies or monsters, whatever you want to call them, uh, on the enemies, <laughs> bubble buster, <laughs> the, the bubble buster, which shows up um, as the the Zen Chan and, and the credits shows up on the first stage, and then on the sixth stage, you get a new enemy called the Stoner, um, and on level ten, there's the Beluga, and on level twenty, the Hula Balloon shows up. What? On level thirty, the Kali C O L L E Y. Okay, all these names are different than the names I have. Well, those okay. So those are the names that okay. I I'm reading again from the the Bubble Bobble info pages, and these are how they were described in the manual. Oh, because um, they're described differently on screen. Because there's a credit right. Sequence. So there's the, yeah, there's credit names, and those are those are sort of Japanese, and these are the the, um, the, the manual names are easier for me to pronounce. So that's God, what I've okay. been doing. Because <laughs> I was re- I'm looking so, at my list, and I'm like, what are you talking? The the, the Zen Chan, yes, but I'm like every other one you talking about. I'm like, I've got this. I got the okay, one called a so, skell monster. All right. So on on level six, the stoner is also known as the Maita or the Maita spelled differently. Uh, the, the beluga is the monster that's on level 10. The hollow balloon is the pull pull, uh, on level 20. The Kali is also known as the Bane Moo, Banabu. Jeez. That's I was, on level I, I was pronouncing it Bane Boo. Okay. It's, fun, it's fun to say Bane Boo and like pull, pull, pull and Bane Boo. <laughs> on level 40, we have the Incendo or the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Haida Gonsu. Okay. Uh, so I, I, on, et cetera, et cetera. It's spelled like, 
I think it was just, it's like a hide gone. It's like disappeared. It's a hide gone. Oh, I see. Okay. At first I thought it was pronounced like pigeon with an H, like it's a pigeon, but it's, it's oh, not because the E and the G are reversed. So it's, a, so it's a hide gone. I think it's a hide gone and a pole pole and a bamboo. Um, I, li- I like the, um, the drunk and the super drunk. That's a yes. great mix. Uh, yeah. So on level 50, you get the willy whistle or the drunk. Um, and on level 60, the super socket, AKA invader. Yes, the invader. Look out for the invader. Um, there's also, which of those enemies is the the invincible enemy? Like if you play and you're playing too long on a screen, not only do you, do like you, the normal bad guys turn angry and they get the extra motivated to, to get you because they're into overtime, but also like an extra enemy will arrive and it's invincible and it chases you around until you're dead or you beat the rest of the enemies. I think... Though I'm not sure if you're playing a two-player game, then there'd be two of these would appear because it seems to like actively chase a player. So I suspect you would get two, one to chase each of the players. But I don't know which enemy that would be. That's called the Rascal or the Rublin. The Rublin. Yes. Well, there you go. All the others cause me trouble. One bub, one bob. Now you see double. We drop, stomp, and pop like Baron Von Blubber. Stone and busted, let me show you how my score improves. I'm pulling combos just like I was still in Buster Move. I'm eating snacks like a book or umbrella. <laughs> Even diamonds taste good here. Bubble bub, bubble bobble, bubble bub. Bubble bob, bubble bobble, bubble bub. Bubble bub, bubble bobble, bubble bub. Jump around, blow it out, show the what you gotta. Of course, uh, on level 100, there's the, the big boss fight. The super drunk. Uh, the super drunk, yes. Okay, so let's talk about the ending then, because there are three different endings. It's one of the first games, one of the earliest, because this is, what, 86? So it's a very early game to have multiple endings that you can reach in an arcade game. And depending on how you play, you you get one of three different endings. And at first, it would appear like there's only two endings, a bad ending and a good ending. But, so here, so let's talk about those first. Did, did you read about the endings? The endings are really cool. No, I didn't. So, okay, well, I'm going to tell you about the endings. Sit back and relax and hear about the endings. <sighs> so if you get some, uh, some, some hot cocoa and a blanket. Right, so if you play on normal play, and I'll explain what that means in a second, and you beat the boss, the super drunk, the huge boss on level 100, and that's one of the levels that plays very differently than the rest of the levels. Normally, you're just setting out your bubbles, encasing the bad guys, pop them, Repeat, and you do that for 99 levels. But level 100 has a huge boss. It's half the size of the level. And you beat that because now suddenly when you spit out your bubbles, they contain little lightning bolts. And so you put out a whole bunch of lightning bolts and they will sort of stack up and then you pop one of them. They'll all pop and those lightning bolts zip across the screen and hit the boss. And you have to do that over and over and over again to beat the boss. So if you play the game and beat the super drunk, beat the main boss on level 100, and you're playing normal play and single player then you will get the the bad ending so even though you have done this and listened to this song for a hundred levels and you finally won you will you'll get a message that says congratulations that you win but it says this is not a true ending don't forget your friend because to get the the good ending you have to play two player now what? Mm. you can add a second player into this game at any point. If you're playing and it's level twenty, on the right hand side down the bottom, it'll say little, there'll be the the Bob character with a little sign saying, you know, 
player two add a coin. And so if you put a coin in, player two can add the game. So you can play single player right up to level 100. And halfway through level 100, when you know you're going to win, pop in another quarter, hit player start. Player two will just sit on the bottom screen and ignore it. But you can sort of buy the good ending. Because as long (laughs) as there are two players playing at that point, that counts as playing the whole game as two players. So you can sort of cheat to win. If you beat boss 100 on normal play with two players active, then you get the happy end, which means... Um, you get a million point bonus, which is cool. And you get the message that says, congratulations, now you found the most important magic in the world. It's, quote, love and, quote, friendship. I don't know why there's scare quotes around this. It's so-called <laughs> love. It's so-called friendship. But okay. Um, and so you, by doing that, you rescue your your uh, girlfriend's. Um, and you also turn back to human. So that's the, the advantage is, hey, you get to have a relationship. And that sounds like the best ending, but it's not. Because if you watch the credits and it explains all the names of these characters, which I was reading through, I'm like, what the heck's going on? And at the bottom, after it lists the drunk and the super drunk and the rascal, it lists four other names that are kind of like human names. It lists Bobby, Betty, Bubby, and Patty. Which is kind of weird because first it's got all those monsters and you would know what those are. And then Betty and Patty are your girlfriends, but who are Bobby and Bubby? So I was thinking, oh, your actual names must be Bobby and Bubby instead of Bob and Bub. But that's not the case. You find out who they are if you get the true ending. Because after the credits play, you'll get a message that says... Thank you very much for your playing, but it was not a true ending. Write eight big words on a paper. This is a key of secret game. Then there's this box of all these weird symbols. Then below that, it's got a line that says, Hints of the words. No miss clear. Round one to twenty. And enter the silver door. You will find, quote, A, B, C, D, dot, 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 end quote. So it's a hint that there's this whole other secret game within this game. And so what happens is, as far as I can tell, you have to play the game if you want to get the hints of what these these eight words are. Like you need eight words on a piece of paper to get the secret game. And so you find those by by if you if you get through to round 20 and you have a no miss clear, and someone's gonna have to write in to explain to me what that means. I don't know if that means you don't miss any of the enemies which, which you have to get them all anyway to clear a level, but maybe you don't miss any of the bonuses, or maybe it's that you never lose a man. I don't know. But somehow you get to round 20, and a silver door will appear, and you can enter that. You'll go into a secret level, and that secret round will contain the eight words. And the eight secret words are, and look away from your screen if you don't want to know the score of the game, are start, jump, bubble, left, right, jump, start, right. So that clearly is a sequence. It's like a Konami code. So if you enter that sequence, start, jump, bubble, left, right, jump, start, right, enter that during the title screen, then that unlocks super mode in this game. And I did it, and it does unlock it, which is pretty cool. Now, the super mode is unfortunately just selectable in the North American version of the game. It's not like some big secret. But in the original Japanese version, you could, you'd have to learn this to do it. It was, it was actually a secret. And only one of the American roms oh cool because it wasn't in mine i did this yeah, and I did. so i was reading about this going oh i must be playing on the japanese rom so if you're playing if you're playing in maine there's uh two u.s versions listed there's 1.0 um for the, ver- the software version and then there's a 5.1 and the 5.1 is the one that has has the super um 
super bubble bubble option as as a, a playable option at the beginning of the game. Aha. See here, you can actually just always unlock it, which is much more fun. Like if sure, it's sort yeah. of like a reward for somebody who did this, actually beat the whole level. And then you'd get that cryptic thing saying, Hey, look, there's a special way. Can you imagine that you're good enough at this game that you beat it? And then you find out like having <laughs> no knowledge of this, that there's like, so wait, no, hold on. If you do this special thing and get to round 20, you can enter a silver door and we're going to lock a whole version. You're like, what, what is this? So that would be very exciting. So if you do that, if you enter this sequence, after you've like learned how to do it. So you enter the sequence and you play. You play on super mode, which is basically just like a bit faster and a bit harder. It's like the hard version of the game. So you play the whole game again on the super mode and you defeat the final level 100 super drunk boss with um, with two players or you know the last minute buy-in of player two. Then you get not just the good ending, but the true ending, which is like the good ending with all the same messages and you still get the 1 million point bonus, but except this time... Bob and Bob are turned back into humans. Plus, in a surprise twist, you learn <laughs> that the major boss, Super Drunk, was actually your parents all along. They also had been kidnapped and magically combined into a single big enemy that you have now defeated but not killed. So they too turn back into humans with like Mama and Papa on their on their their characters, so you know who they are, and so everybody wins. Everybody's back to human. The relationships are put back together. You get back your parents, and everybody lives happily ever after. After all of that work and listening to that same song for hundreds of hours, was was M Night Shyamalan somehow involved in the design of this? Yes, game? that sounds like one of his twist endings. M Night Shyamalan about the last one. Yes, indeed, he was <laughs> wow. uh, the the writer of this. So. But mostly you, you, you're given that as a reward for having listened to this song, this one short song on repeat endlessly over and over. So do you know about the song? I don't want to know about this. Well, there's a thing about the song that I, I don't know. So supposedly, and the internet is filled with this, is that it's this song that repeats is based on a, a popular folk song. It's always had a popular folk song called Sing Jemima Sing. But I don't think that's true. Because I, I actually went looking, like I actually do research each week, even even though if it doesn't sound like it did. And so I, I want to look up, well, where's this song from? Maybe we could play a snippet of the original or something. And it's odd that Sing Jemima Sing would be like a, a Japanese folk song. So I couldn't find that. I couldn't find any song, any reference. If you If you Google for Sing Jemima Sing in quotes, Google will come up with many pages of results. All of which are about Bubble Bobble claiming that this song is based on Sing Jemima Sing, but not a single result other than that sort of thing. There is a company or, or a thing called Jemima in Japan, which is the Japan Electric Measurement Measuring Instruments Manufacturers Association. So I don't think it's their theme song or something. Um, then I started thinking, well, maybe Jemima was one of the the Jellicle cats. You know, um, mm-hmm. this wasn't Jemima one of those, or am I yeah. just? I know it was in the musical cast had a Jemima, but I can never remember if like in actual Old Possum's Book of, what is it, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats? I don't know. I never really was a fan of Elliot, if Jemima was actually one of them. But actually, if that was the case, whole player one wouldn't be Bub, it'd be Syllabub. Oh, that's good. That my, my fellow English majors are enjoying that bit of wordplay, I'm just saying. Mm. Um, anyway, <laughs> so 
The point is, I can't find a single source for a folk song supposedly called Sing Jemima Sing. Now, I suspect that there would have been one, but maybe because of racism or really our modern distaste of it, uh, because we have improved as a species, it seems, that we don't really talk about this stuff much because like in the minstrel shows and and the mammies of Antebellum self, that like white men in drag and blackface, one of the one of the typical names for that sort of character was Jemima, and they were often singing things in um what are they, the vaudeville acts. So there easily could have been, there probably were many songs with names either the same as or very similar to Sing Jemima Sing, but maybe nobody just wants to talk about it anymore. So like, I don't know, but it seems kind of weird that that would be the source of a song for for Bubble Bubble. Although if you listen to the tune, it kind of sounds like ragtime piano. So it, it kind of fits into the, the 1920s stuff and, and that still existed, like the Aunt Jemima stuff which is like a figure from the 1920s advertising. The, like where they were trying, yeah, like they were intentionally trying to capitalize on what they called, what was it, white nostalgia for the, for the leisure days of the plantation system. I mean, like, <laughs> it's hard to even get your head around that nowadays. Like, oh my gosh, because that was like 90 years ago only. And that was like perfectly acceptable, middle of the road, middle-class advertising. I am so offended by our culture. Because um, they had that, like that's like the Jemima name, the earlier stuff would have been the minstrel shows, but the ragtime 1920s Jemima is what we now think of as Aunt Jemima, like the not a man in blackface and drag, but an actual lady, sure, a lady of color. Yeah, well, that's it, exactly. And like that comes from such such an offensive thing. It's remarkable that it still exists because like in the 1920s, the, the idea was they invented the ready-mix breakfasts where you could just like add water and it, and it was pancakes. And Aunt Jemima was invented as sort of like Coca-Cola's invented like the modern version of, of Santa Claus. And these ad company in the 1920s invented the modern version of Aunt Jemima because they would promote ready-mixed breakfasts as like having a slave in a box. And like, that's Aunt Jemima. Like, it's just like, I have, it's hard to get my head around that this still exists as a brand and we don't just like burn down all the grocery stores. It's crazy. But this was a thing in the 1920s and it didn't go away that quickly. Like in the 1950s, like 40 years ago, you could go to Disneyland. Let's bring it back to Disney because we started with that. You go to Disneyland and have breakfast in Aunt Jemima's Pancake House. And it was a theme restaurant filled with characters from Song of the South, including like blackface minstrels. And eventually all this stuff kind of like gradually was removed from Disney. And if you go on the Disney site now, they'll like deny having anything to do with any of these things, but whatever. Uh, and it was luckily removed from the rest of the world. But I don't, I don't know, man. Like Sing Jemima Sing being the Bubble Bobble theme song. Like all this stuff was going in my head this week as I'm researching this going, I, it's weird that Google wants nothing. Even Google wants nothing to do with this topic. <laughs> like, so I don't know. Well, and and Disney, uh, I think uh, Song of the South was a very popular movie here in the United States. Um, Probably still is decades ago, and is has been Disney has has pulled it and will never ever 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 publish it again because sure. of the the racist connotation. I think it's like, it's one of those things where racism. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm very much against it. Like I'm going to make make my oh, stand, for you. Make my stance clear. Stand. I'm going to make my stance very clear here. I'm not in favor. I think it's a bad <laughs> thing. I don't think it's acceptable, really, at all. Funny that. Um, but it is 
our shameful past. And the reality is all of humanity's past is shameful. If you go back in time from 50 years to 2000 to 3000, 5000 years ago, there is no decade that is not filled with shame. That's why modern society is better. We improve slowly. We still have things going on today that I know 100 years from now, people will look back and go, you did what now? (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. So, and it's harder to see them because we're in that society. Is, we might be ashamed of it, but it doesn't mean – like I, I think if you hide it, it's more likely it stays around or can come back. It's important to acknowledge your shameful past, especially your shameful past, Mike. Oh, my gosh. We must acknowledge Mike McGinnis's shameful past. Oh, my goodness. Just my, my personal past alone is, is, is just filled with horrible, disgusting things. Anyway, there's a good book I read years ago called Slave in a Box, which is where I got the phrase from. I think it was – Oh, Maurice Manring, something like that. I might have it wrong, but I'll, I'll find a link to the actual, it's a really fascinating book. So if this topic, which should kind of creep you out, but you find fascinating, because all the stuff nobody wants to talk about it for anymore, um, it's still interesting. And I think it's important to be aware of this. So when you're buying products, you you can look at a, a brand name and go, you know what that's based on, right? And maybe we should stop using that. Um, anyway, I think that the major point is, I guess twofold. One, Mike McGinnis has a shameful past. That's Indeed. an important takeaway. Mm-hmm. And two, the song is very catchy, but it's too much of that song, I think is the point I want to make. I mean, and the, <laughs> the true happy ending should be that Bub and Bob became human and the song finally stopped and was heard no more and they turned back into humans with earplugs or something because it might be catchy. It may or may not be based on racism, but it is too much of that one freaking song over and over and over again. And at first I didn't mind it, but by the end of a week of playing this game a lot, I'll be happy if I never hear the song again. It is too much. Are we talking about video games? I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of this game. No, um, I actually dig it. It's my. I had to put headphones on eventually. Listen to something else. But I, I like I, it. I, here's here's the thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with the game itself. I, you know, I just reading these pages. It's it's obviously there's it's a very very deep game. There's a lot going on here, and if you want to spend spend the time in the virtual quarters, you can really see a lot and there's, there's some great stuff to explore there, but it just never really came together to me. It felt there's another game that we talked about a while back, uh, Sega's Flicky, which has a similar kind of, it's a the platform jumping uh, feel to it. The, the goal is different. You're in that game. You're trying to rescue your little baby ducks uh, from cats, but it, the play feels similar, but in, in, for for me anyway, for Flicky came together, all the, the elements of it just came together and, and was a more complete and satisfying experience than this where, yeah, there's the, the music is playing, but it's a 20 second clip and it's a little bit too loud and a little bit too bright and just a little bit too annoying. And, and you know, the game came out in, in August of 86, which is pretty late in, in the life of the, uh, the arcade. And yet the graphics feel kind of crude. And I get that I get that that was, I think, probably done 
because there there's all this movement going on on the screen at the same time and you want to have a a smooth play experience i think rather than better looking graphics if you have to if you're forced to pick one or the other you're going to go with i think any any smart company was going to to have a, a smoother play experience with cruddier graphics but uh when we talk about the the cpus and stuff you'll see that there's there's actually a lot of firepower behind this thing and it still doesn't look that good um and it's you know it's I, I do think the, the you know the the little dragons or, or monsters or whatever they are, are they're they're adorable they're like I said disgustingly cute and it's it's kind of fun but it just for whatever reason just didn't gel for me the way that that, that Flicky did now having said all that I think that's probably more um, my perceptions of the game and and the way that I tend to enjoy games and just just didn't click with me than anything wrong with the game itself because there are certainly tons and tons of people out there who love this game and i i get that and i'm not saying that this is a crap game and you're stupid for liking it like like bubbles or or um uh, ghosts and goblins or something like that so <laughs> send, elevator your, action. Send, send your email to mike beginners <laughs> i i find it weird that in a game like this that has a bright and and chirpy tune it got on my nerves because it plays mm-hmm. often but if you play like mappy Bright and chirpy tune that repeats over and over and never gets on my nerves. Right. And Mappy is the same sort of... Now, maybe it's like like Flicky. Mappy does scroll back and forth. Maybe I need a bit of scrolling or I can't take it. <laughs> I don't know. It's a claustrophobia thing. But it's weird how the music in an essentially equivalent kind of game, an equivalent kind of music, won't grate on me the way this week for some reason... And it's not that... I Great is a bad word. It's just that I got kind of bored of it, where I was like, it's too much of this one song. Um, for some reason, maybe it's just a little too short or a little, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But it got on my nerves. That said, I think I enjoyed the game more than you. I actually like this game. I never used to play it in the in the arcade. I played it a bit, but I was never great at it. And it's very much a quarter muncher. Like, to get to that level 100, unless you're really good at it, unless you've already been there a few times and have mastered the game, you're going to have to pump a bunch of quarters in because the game gets really hard. Yeah, there, I think there's that element. And there's also, you know, this is a, a game, I think that, you know, as you said, to, to get to the true ending, you have to play with somebody else. And, um, I, no, you I can think, just buy it with your Well, you can buy it quarter. too. But I think the experience for me would, would have been a lot different if – uh, had had I played with somebody else, because then it becomes a social thing and, and less about me liking or disliking the, sp- the specific mechanics of the game, rather than just having a, a fun experience with a friend playing this dumb little game that with these cute little monsters. And that's a big that's a big thing. Most of the games we talk about, if they're two player, it's two player alternating. And this is a game where two people can play at once, and that always adds a lot. I give a lot of points to a game that lets you do that mm-hmm. because when you turn it into that social thing, it just adds a whole other element, and it becomes. Like any game becomes extra fun if you can just play it together and you trash talk and you interact and it just it adds such a level and the game gets two quarters at once so everybody wins but I think this game like any game that's two player simultaneous is better if you can play play it two people. Uh, there's a ton going on uh, on screen at, at at any given time as far as motion and and things uh, between you and the monsters that are that are moving around. There's the a lot going on between me and the monsters. You. Don't judge. <laughs> you don't know my life. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's all very smooth. The, the game never, never lagged for me or slowed down or anything like that. And that's part of that's because the, it features, uh, two, uh, count them two, uh, Zilog Z80 chips at six megahertz, another Zilog Z80 at three megahertz and an M6801 at one megahertz. Those are the CPUs. Uh, for the sound chips, it has a YM2203 at 3 megahertz and another YM3526 at 3 megahertz. I don't know why you need two sound chips for the same song. One, one, so one just for that one song and one <laughs> just to appreciate um, the song. It does. It's a, a two-player simultaneous or 
single player if you want to. Uh, figures a, single player it, simultaneous. <laughs> it features a two-way joystick because uh, you, you run back and forth, but to move up and down, you you jump and, and ride the um, and, and ride the, the the bubbles or move up and down the platforms that way. Uh, two buttons, one for bubble, one for jump. And I, I'm looking at the control panel right now, and I like the fact that this is a left-handed game. So you control the action uh, with your left hand, and, and the buttons are um, on the right as as you're playing. Carrington, tell me about the cabinet. It's good, and there's like... Like a dozen different versions, mostly because this was bootlegged like crazy. (laughs) So when I'm trying to research the cabinet, and for the most part, as far as I can tell from looking at flyers, but even the flyers were bootlegged. Like the bootleg people made their own flyers called Bubble Bobble that would show their cabinet. So it's really hard to get a word on what the definitive cabinet is. But as far as I can tell, I think the actual cabinet is a little less exciting than some of the... uh, some of the the bootlegs. The actual cabinet was a black cabinet with no side art. And I think that's the Taito version, was the non-side art version. Whereas there's lots of cabinets out there with blue full height side art and, and they look amazing, but I don't think that's the real one. I think the real one has a very colorful marquee that's that's lovely and and cartoony and has the bubble bubble logo and lots of and bub and bob on there and the enemies and looks great. And it has a blue relatively plain control panel with like you said the two two-way joysticks and two buttons so and 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 a little instruction page that goes on the bezel that's an otherwise plain bezel around the monitor and i think that's it i think the original one from taito said it's 86 we're bored of it let's just put out a game that's really flashy and the music and the colors on the screen will be our attract mode and I think all the other cabinets out there, and there's lots of them that are swoopier, that are cut in curves on the side and instead of the angular Taito cabinet that have orange or blue side art, often full color side art that's full height. I think all of those are knockoffs and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that all of that means it's not an original and the original is actually one of the more boring cabinets to be honest it's not like it's all about the color and play on the game but the cabinet itself highly generic now we did talk about uh earlier on that that uh title licensed this game to romstar for distribution in the united states uh was the romstar cabinet just the same as as the title or was it different I don't know. I didn't take any notes about that. I'm going to say it was better and, and it had spikes on top and, and actually blew <laughs> bubbles out of it. Sure. Why not? The people can make up this song of myself. Cabinet song. The exactly. And yes. Bob is inside the cabinet. Bob is outside mm. the cabinet and I'll have a poster available for download. It sounds very familiar. It's very familiar. Now there was one of the things about the cabinet, I guess that's worth pointing out though, is that it had a security chip called the PS4. Um, which is not the PlayStation 4. It didn't have an entire PlayStation 4 in there. I think it's a security chip, which would be interesting. Um, but it was like, I think it was based on a Motorola 68K. And because of that, none of the bootlegs at the time were played exactly like the original. And one of the ways to tell from the bootlegs is it wouldn't have that original title screen because that was one of the things that was locked out weirdly. The title screen is locked out by the security chip. Kind of odd. And so... The MAME dev team, though, used uh, a technique called decapping, and they reverse-engineered that chip and are now able to emulate it, which is why when you play these ROMs in MAME, it can actually play it perfectly. And then there was a uh, thing called Project Bubble Bobble Redux that implemented uh, an exact version of the PS4 on bootleg boards. So you can now make a bootleg board that plays the actual game perfectly. So they've made a, an even better bootleg 
I don't know why nowadays you would want that, but you can have a bootleg board that plays everything, including the title screen, and it plays basically bubble bobble perfectly, um, even on a bootleg, um, if you want to do that. So that's that's kind of interesting that that's happened. Yeah. Now, the game itself was ported, not just bootleg, but like ported to everything. Everything, everything, everything. Although, <laughs> except, in, except what? Was it not on one? Apple II? Uh, sure it was. It was an Apple II okay. version, but the Apple II version didn't have music during the gameplay. And so it's one of the ones that some would say suffer from the lack of, lack of music. <laughs> Others might say, well, hey, how about a version of this game that doesn't have that music playing all the time? Arcadehistory.com does not list that. Arcade History is wrong. Google it. I have played it. And uh, if you Google the Fair parts enough. of things, you can find videos of, like one of those, there's those videos that do the nice, like, let's compare all the versions of Bubble Bubble. And they will include the Apple II version. Not a 2GS. It's not a super high-res version. But there was an Apple II version. Um, there was a version for a calculator. There was a version for, like, every home system. The BBC Micro is notable for not having a version, although there is a version available now in the public domain. But it was never officially released. So a couple of people, let me see, I found out, a good, there was a good site I found this week about the BBC Micro um, called stairwaytohell.com. And, nice. um, it's, and they've got a page on there. It's all about BBC Micro stuff. And there's a page on there all about obscure and unreleased versions of BBC Micro games. And they talk about how there's a version out there that all the sites, and that I read as well, claim that Firebird, which made a bunch of the ports, like the C64 port and stuff, they had a, produced a version for the BBC Micro but never released it. But it turns out it was actually a fellow named uh, Peter Gillette and coded it and the graphics were done by Martin Kelsey and they developed completely on their own and only when the game was almost finished because they based they, they played the C64 game over and over again and sort of based it on that and they made from scratch their own BBC Micro version then they went to Firebird and said hey we've got this and you've released all the other versions why don't you release this and, and Firebird at that point said because this was like the late 80s and they said you know what it's just not commercially vi- viable to release BBC Micro Games anymore, so we're not going to bother. And so it sort of languished unreleased. And then a bunch of years ago, the actual coder, Peter Gillette, put it out and said, well, I'm going to just release the code to the public domain. And then it got picked up and everybody labels it as a Firebird game. But Firebird really had nothing to do with it other than they rejected it. So kind of not fair. So I'll make sure I link to that uh, Stairway to Hell site so that they can get their their proper um, credit. Oh, and the source code was lost. That's another thing to mention. So in 1996, Taito uh, sort of announced to the world, uh, we no longer have the source code for this game. <laughs> and so they sent the PCB of an original one, not a bootleg, to a company called Probe Entertainment, which was the company they used to do all the home versions. And the gamers there, the developers there really, just had to play the game on the original PCB and take notes and screenshots and 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 look at and sort of reverse engineer what they could out of the ROMs to get the graphic elements and reverse engineer the game. And so most modern versions of the game are actually based on the 1996 reverse engineered version, not the original source code. Yeah. Yeah. Neat bit of trivia. The game was designed uh, by, here we go, uh, Fukuyo, Aunt Jemima. <laughs> Fukuyo Mitsuji. Uh, Wait, say that first name again. 
Fukio? This, oh, there we go. I'm like, it's all about us losing our G rating this time. I'm talking racism and you're swearing like a sailor. I said Fukio both times. Sure you did. Uh, his, sure. Not who, when I edit this, um, he, this podcast. He, you done? <laughs> I might be done as far as you know, but then I might start singing. Da, 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 da. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not important. Go ahead. So who designed this? Mitsuji, uh, and he, he appears in the, um, in the high score list as MTJ. He designed a handful of games uh, at while he was at, looks like he was only at Taito. Um, Bubble Bobble was his first game, did something called Land Sea Air Squad. He did uh, Rainbow Islands, the story of Bubble Bobble, Bubble Bobble 2, Storming Party, Savalian, and Volfeed, Vol which I think is a very popular game. We, that we reviewed that, game. didn't we? Didn't we do Volfeed? I think so. Maybe. I don't know. We've done a lot of games. I know. It's funny um, how I, I won't automatically know whether we, we reviewed a game, but yep. Turns out episode 83. Wow. We actually did a whole week and reviewed Full Feet. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, I wonder if we liked it. If you, uh, if you didn't like that, that 20 second song repeating over and over and over again, you can blame Tadashi Kimijima. Uh, who is KIM in the high score list. And he also did the music for Arkanoid, which is interesting wow. because I actually also like has music. that. Yeah. And Arkanoid also has that sort of light tingy kind of mm -hmm. bit to it. So yeah, I can kind of see that they would be similar composers. Interesting. And he also did the music for something called metal soldier, Isaac two, which is actually came out before bubble, bubble and Arkanoid metal soldier was my nickname in high school. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Yes. As far as you know, uh, it was programmed by Ichiro Fujisu, ICH in the uh, in the credits, uh, and uh, Nishiyori, NSO, um, Yoshida, YSH is uh, credited with instruction. I assume that means that he maybe wrote the manual or did the on screen instructions. And the hardware was done by Fujimoto, uh, KTU in the high score list, and <laughs> Sego Sakamoto, SAK. So this Mitsuji guy. Mm -hmm. Um, a really good source of information and links about him would be our show notes for episode <laughs> 83, where we link to a page okay. about him and a video called Praise Eventually. Like, so I guess we've had this conversation before. So I will wow. make sure that in our links for this show is a link to show 83, where you can recursively enjoy our, our discussion. That sounds like a pretty cool episode. We should go check that out sometime. Yep. So that's, that's pretty um, funny. So in addition to all the ports, uh, there were also a ton of sequels. Uh, it was a very popular game. And, of course, when it's popular and it makes money, people want more of that. So they, uh, as we said, this was released in 1986. Uh, Rainbow Islands, the story of Bubble Bobble 2, was released in 87. I think that um, game is horrible. Now, okay. I might never have actually <laughs> played it. But it, but in my mind, I'm imagining a game that is horrible, that I think is that game. So hopefully I'm not like, you know, slighting a very good game, but I think it's a game where you cast these little rainbows and then you can walk up on them and then you jump and it's just like unplayably terrible. Wow. I'm pretty sure that's a, like a ridiculously horrible game, but we'll see. Okay. Someday we'll review it. <laughs> uh, Bubble Bobble 2 was released in 1994 and Bubble Memories, the story of Bubble Bobble 3 was released in 1995. Now those, those are the arcade releases. There were also a bunch of sequels that were just released on the various platforms. For example, uh, after uh, Rainbow Islands in 87 and 1990, sequentially in, in 1991 for the PC engine, Parasol Stars, the story of Bubble Bobble 3 was released and 
Bubble Bobble Part 2 was released in 1993 for, for the Famicom, which I assume is different than Bubble Bobble 2, which was released in 94 for the arcade. Um, and then there's nothing between uh, after the 1995 arcade game until 2000 uh, when the uh, when Rainbow Islands Putty's Party was released for the Wonder Swan. And then we're starting to get into the, the current platforms in 2005. The, the Nintendo DS had a couple, uh, the PlayStation Portable had one in 2006. Um, the DS had another one in 2007. The WiiWare had one in 2000, had a couple in 2009. And then Xbox uh, Live Arcade had Bubble Bobble Neil as recently as 2009. But these are all official sequels in the series. I would like to point out that if you heard the name Bubble Memories and didn't immediately think of Bubble Memory, <laughs> then you are not old school enough to be enjoying our podcast. Yes. So there, we don't get out. people anymore, but you shouldn't be listening to us. You're too young. You're too young to fully understand our references. <laughs> We're hanging out here. Uh, <laughs> and then bubble memory. Right away, I was like, wow, I haven't heard of that in a while. Um, I think you should bring that back. I, for, I agree. Forget, forget flashcards. <laughs> Go to Best Buy and buy yourself a chunk of bubble memory. <laughs> be awesome. Uh, earlier, Carrington, you talked about the, the secret rooms and, and the, the multiple endings. And, and ArcadeHistory.com has a nice... Um, a nice write-up of all the different uh, techniques and, and secrets and things like that. We won't go through them all here just because there's a lot of them, but uh, it's certainly worth a look. Um, as far as the high score codes, there are a bunch of those. Um, we talked, I think it was maybe Pulsar where you can't enter SEX. It uh, changes it to, to something else on the high score list. In this case, on this game, it turns it into um, H period exclamation point. Um, and after getting a high score, if you enter um, TAK turns into uh, an octopus turns the bubbles into X's at the end of the level. Um, STR, a flamingo turns bubbles into smiling, <laughs> smiling turds at the end of the level. Uh, if you enter KTT, the, uh, a beer turns bubbles into pizzas at the end of the level. Holy cow. And I didn't you, know any of this. If you enter just dot, 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 a, a knife flying cakes, vegetables, etc come flying across the screen and turn enemies into 6K diamonds. And there's a bunch of others that there's a, um, I think it's okay. If you enter I.F, MTJ, NSO, KIM, or YSH, which were the initials of the designers, um, you, you get a Coke can that flies across the screen with sunflowers and it turns enemies into 6K diamonds. This is all news to me. Me too. If you just can't get enough of the music, Alpha Records released a limited edition soundtrack for this what? game. Yes, uh, on January 20, How short is that soundtrack? And it's part number 28XA-110 Taito Game Music. I think it's probably a bunch of different. Oh, uh, right. Because imagine like the, the, the preview thing on iTunes would be the entire song. But what's cooler is uh, there's a, apparently cool. there's an NES cover band called The Advantage, which I think it's just awesome in and of itself. Mm. Um, they cover two songs from Bubble, Bo Bubble Bobble on their self-titled debut album, uh, released on April 6, 2004. Cool. Yep. I like that. How'd you do, Carrington? So want to talk scores? Let's talk scores. So I made it as far as, and everyone's going to brace yourself for laughter, I only made it as far as level 14, whatever. 
I think it was okay for me, but that's as far as I could get. I'm not good. at. I know there's 100 levels, and I made it to level 14. Let's keep our laughter going. Anyway, my high score for the week was 228650, so 228,650 on level 14. Go, Carrington. Mike, could you possibly have beaten my oh-so-high score? Not even close, Carrington. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were joking about not being good. I thought you were going to come back and say three million. Or well, something. I didn't like. I said this. This game never gelled for me, and I didn't like it enough to continue really playing it that much. Uh, I never. I, I think I made it to level four a couple of times, uh, and I, I never broke the, the the high score is is thirty thousand uh, on the machine. And if you don't break that, you don't. It doesn't keep your score anywhere from game to game. Uh, I never broke that. I think I got. Let me check here. Yep, twenty nine thousand zero four zero, and I, I, like like I said, I, I this all this wanted me, all this made me do was was want to go play uh, Flicky, which I did. I like Flicky and Mappy. Makes me want to play Mappy because we yeah. talked about Mappy uh, again. I, like this seems like a, a really deep and involved game, and I know a lot of people love it. And my my, I don't even dislike it. I just kind of I, I never saw. I don't I don't think I have any memories even of seeing this in an arcade back in the day but hearing it so <laughs> not hearing it either but so i don't have any nostalgic connection to the game um and i think i think the platform mechanic was done better by other companies around the same time so yep don't care why well, i will not play this game again i really like it um I don't like it enough to keep coming back to it, and I've played it enough this week that I am done with it, cause, mostly because of the music. But to be honest, <laughs> half the time I played without listening to the music, I would just say, you know, I don't need those sounds. I'd put on my own tunes, you know, play a little Rush or something, and then there you go. Like, it's, awesome. It's old school arcade time. So <laughs> That's me right. and the new Tom Sawyer are rocking the, the, the bubble memory or whatever. Sweet. Um, yeah, so I actually, I actually dig it, and I would recommend it. I do think it's a classic for a reason. I like it. That said, doesn't go into my, my main favorites. Um, I just... It's too much of a quarter muncher for me. It's a game designed to be like one of the main things that's happening is it'll get hard enough that it's kind of forcing you to die. And I know other people can finish the whole game to level 100 on one quarter, but I can't. I don't think I ever would because I'm never going to put in the effort to do that. So it's a game that literally I'll never be able to master. So I, I have to approach it as like a pick up and play game, which means I wish I could start and sort of randomly start on a level like spin a wheel or say you know what i just want to play one quarter let me start on level 47 so instead i see the same levels over and over again and if i want to play other levels i have to burn through a bunch of virtual quarters to get up to those higher levels which aren't even necessarily harder it gets faster and a bit harder but a lot it's like load runner in that you'll go through waves of levels that seem easier like watch a video so i feel like some levels seem easier than than previous levels um so i kind of wish wish i could either start at a later level or that the levels came in random order and i think that would make it a more fun pick up and play game as it exists now i enjoy it i'll keep coming back to it but not a favorite well what about next week Harrington? next week's game is a favorite i don't know it's I'm, always just a favorite. I'm just i'm just guessing what's it sound like sounds like this That's my favorite. Mine too. Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. 
feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast and on Twitter we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. All of these links plus the show notes are available at monsterfeet.com and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. Let's play some bubble bobble. Yeah! Crap game and you're stupid for liking it.